Hi, welcome to the Spencer Lodge podcast. I'm Spencer Lodge and I'm really, really excited to bring to you today the first interview in this series. I enjoyed this interview enormously with Sarah Al Madani. She really is a successful entrepreneur across many different industries, which really interested me. So often you find entrepreneurs that are kind of stuck in a, a particular genre or a particular industry, and they don't really move far from that place when they build their businesses. But with Sarah, it was really interesting to see that she'd come across fashion and restaurants, innovation, tech, media, you know, so many different areas, which meant to me that she had the recipe for business entrepreneurial knowledge and flair and success she could move from one industry to the other without it being anything that impacted upon her and I think a lot of us get stuck in that place where you know we're in a certain industry and we feel we can't jump out of another industry because it might be all new to us well with Sarah it definitely wasn't so really interesting to learn about her story there Sarah and I were interviewed, uh, well, introduced to each other um, through a PR company. Um, I was supposed to interview her. She wasn't looking forward to the interview with this stuffy English guy. <laughs> and, uh, and I, to be honest with you, wasn't looking forward to interviewing her because uh, I was worried about what I could say and what I couldn't say. But I'm one of these straight talking guys, as uh, some of you already know. And, and, and being a straight talking guy, um, I just have to ask direct questions. And what was really refreshing from Sarah is the fact that she just opened up and was really honest with me and shared with energy and enthusiasm her story and, and answered my questions you know, very, very reliably, if I'm really honest with you. Other aspects of the, the interview that you want to look out for here, how other women perceive her being a woman in business. You know, Sarah's a woman with, that's a single mum and has built businesses. And there's, there's other women out there that have had a negative opinion about her. So that's an interesting thing. Also, how she failed. Sarah failed big time. So listening to her tell her story about how she failed, how she lost everything, and then she picked herself up, dusted herself down and started again was just really interesting. What her interpretation was, you know, an Emirati lady in business, what's her interpretation of the word hustle? And also dealing with self-belief and confidence and self-esteem and, and getting that right for yourself. And uh, as, as I interview Sarah, we'll talk in more more detail about that along the way if you would do me a massive favor if you're listening to me on itunes on a podcast there if you can give me a five-star rating or on soundcloud this podcast will be picked up and more people will notice it so i'd really appreciate it if you'd be kind enough to do that for me so without further ado should we get stuck in let's enjoy the show this is spencer lodge podcast with our first guest sarah al madani So hopefully you won't mind this afternoon if I uh, kind of dig deep a little bit with you. Dig as deep as you want. Okay. I'm an open book. Excellent stuff. So Emirati? Half Bahraini. Half Bahraini, half Emirati. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And you've Surprise. been here. <laughs> <laughs> and so you've been in Dubai all of your life? Or? Yeah, yeah, all my life. Okay. And so do some of your family live in Bahrain still? Yeah. Okay. You've got a son? Yes. How old is your son? Two. Two years old. So recently became a mum a couple of years ago. Yes. How do you mix that kind of like being a business person um, plus being a mother? Is it easy? It's easy if you want it to be. I mean, whatever we feed our brains, whatever we tell ourselves, we do. So if I tell myself, no, I can't do it, I'll never do it. But if you tell yourself you can do it, you'll find a way, you can, it's very easy. And plus, my son goes with me everywhere I go. Meetings, I once gave a speech carrying him. And I told them, you want me? He comes with me. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's not easy, but it's not hard. It's doable. 
Do you think a lot of women hide behind that as a reason as to why they can't go out there and be successful in business because they're busy being a parent? Of course. There is no reason for any woman not to be doing whatever she wants to do. But a lot of women do hide behind it because it's a comfort zone for them. They're comfortable. They're home. They have an excuse not to be doing so. And they, they look at it as an accomplishment. Yeah, they do. A lot of women do that. I know that if I was to ask you a question about what's your greatest achievement so far in your life, I'm sure that your son is going to be on that list somewhere close to the top, if not at the top. At the top. <laughs> okay, so if I can just park him. Aside. <laughs> apart from him, when you look at your, your business career, okay, I know that you've done various things along the way. Some of them I'm sure you were very passionate about, yeah. some of them were, were just business ideas and your entrepreneurial flair uh, enabled you to get involved. What do you think you've done that has been, for you, the most challenging and also the most rewarding? Well, the thing is, if I'm going to just speak about what I have done that was rewarding for me, it's basically just accomplishing every goal and dream I had in mind. But my biggest accomplishment was in 2013. I lost everything I had. I had zero in my bank account. I lost everything. I had nothing, no company, no nothing. So I had to start from zero all over again. So instead of giving up and you know going back to my parents and saying, hey, I failed, or you know relaying on the government to solve whatever problem I did, I've actually you know stood up and dusted myself up and started all over again, which made me feel so good because when you start something from zero, to the top and you have the leadership skills so you know how to serve, you can start it all over again. It's like knowing the ingredients to, to something. You would just take them and cook them all over again. Okay, so tell me, how did you fail? This is something a lot of entrepreneurs do, which is having contracts that are not safe between partners. Especially women do that a lot, not men, because we're emotional. So. Trust me, plenty of men do it too. <laughs> they do. Because what we do is we go like, hey, you know, we're friends, you know, we don't need contracts, or let's just do them at home, you know. But no, you need to invest in a lawyer. It costs a lot of money, but it will save you from a lot of things. So that's something I didn't do and ended up, you know, hitting rock bottom. So you basically got involved in contracts that you put together that were based around handshakes more than they were based around final legal details. Yes. And they came to bite you on the bum afterwards. Of course. And did the other people involved as well suffer because of that? No. Or did somebody take advantage of they you? They took advantage. Okay. Yeah. So that was that naivety in business for you because you were learning and growing the mistakes that... Because I've heard this a lot. You're not the first person to say it. I think it was being naive in business and as a person as well because I'm a very kind, generous, giving person which will not change. I should not let anybody change how I am because yeah. it takes a lot of energy and power to be a kind person. But it's so easy to be a person who doesn't care. I will not change that, but now I'm just more careful about who I choose to give that part of my personality to. But I was naive in business as well. It was my first business. And Spencer, I've started this business when I was 15. You know, learning throughout the way and all that. It was a learning process. And yes, I did lose all the money I've made in these 11, 12 years. All the net profit was gone. But I mean, who cares? Money comes and goes in the end, right? The most important thing is to learn because I need to survive. You know? Yeah, but you say that. I mean, I see a lot of people go through this type of experience. For me, yeah. you got paid a huge amount in education that you would never have been able to learn at university. Oh, hell yeah. Okay. That experience, I mean, when you think about it, that experience would have paid you huge amounts. I have a quote I always tell people about. Failing is expensive, but so is education. They're both expensive. You yeah. pay for both, right? Yeah. And sometimes people feel sorry for what I've been through, but I laugh about it because I've learned so much, Spencer. Honestly, I've never knew 
how strong I can be on my own if I haven't been through that. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. Mm. You go through that journey, you realize you've made a lot of bad mistakes, you then get the punishment, I suppose, and the pain of those decisions that you made. Did it send you into a depression? Did it send you into a dark place for a long period of time? Did you recover from it quickly? What was it like? Honestly, there was no depression in terms of financials. I come from a medium-sized family, okay? And when I started my business when I was 15, I financially cut myself off my parents. And I used to work like side jobs. I even did promotion. I sold Coke in the mall without my parents knowing because it was against like our culture as locals. So I've done so many things to get money and I'm not ashamed. I've even sold electronics at a certain point of my life just to get the money, the capital to start. Mm -hmm. So for me, I never had that desire for money to live that luxury lifestyle and, and to go shopping and all that. So when I lost the money, it wasn't a big deal. What hurted me the most was the relationship, like the person that did that to me. Like, how could someone do that? So that took me into a depression of two years, but then I had to slap myself up and I was like, hey, you know what? No one's going to pay your bills. No one's going to help you. Even if people advise you, no one's going to change anything. You're the change in your life. And I had to get up all over again and start. Do you trust people less because of that? Oh no, oh no. That's like saying, I had a car accident, I'm never driving. Of course I trust people, but now I know who to choose and how to trust. Going from that experience, going all the way to rock bottom, yeah. after being in a place where I suppose you kind of felt pretty cool about yourself along the way and you were pleased with the performance of the business and you had some status attached to it because yeah. you were successful. Going then down to that real low level, where does the fire, you know, people sometimes say, if you put somebody in a corner, they're either going to curl up and die or they're going to come out punching. Yeah. You clearly reacted by coming out punching. Did you stay in the same industry or did you go into a different industry? Well, first of all, I'm a hustler. Nothing can beat me down. Like, you know what I mean? When I got up again, I started in the same industry. But then later on, I was like, hey, you know, I'm sure God did not create me just to be a fashion designer, right? I must have other talents and this is where I went on a journey and I traveled and I searched for my passion and I honestly invested a lot of time into taking the steering wheel away from my fears and driving that car alone mm -hmm. and I just drove towards a direction and discovered that I have a lot of other talents and just fashion and I just you know ventured into different things. Uh, food, F&B, uh -huh. uh, tech. Um, Was that talent or interest? You see, the thing is, you don't know if it's talent or not yet because I just ventured in it. I might discover halfway through that, hey, I've got a talent in this, but I'm sure I don't have a talent in F&B. I can barely cook eggs. And I'm sure if I cook eggs, you'd die. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, definitely no talent. Even in tech, I have no idea how things go in tech. But I've always had the curiosity in technology because they always kept on saying, Robots are going to replace humans in the future, and I believe that there's nothing more valuable than humans in the world. So I was like, how can that do this? Let me understand more about it. So I was just curious and just ventured in tech. But in food, it was actually a bet because I was sitting with two... A bet? Yeah, it was a bet. I was sitting with two men, one is a chef, one is a food consultant. And I was like, oh, I'm a serial entrepreneur. They're like, oh, yeah, but you can't venture in everything. I was like, I would love to venture in F&B. They're like, you can't do it. You have to actually have like a background mm -hmm. and either and either being a chef or an either like F&B consultancy. I was like, no, they're like, yes. I was like, no, they're like, yes. I was like, oh, OK, we'll see about that. Went home, 
Googled how to start a restaurant. Two years later, me and my partner started the restaurant and hired these two guys to run it for me. So it just tells you that sometimes you might want to do something, but you might not have the brains for it or the, let's say, the understanding or the knowledge for it. So you hire the right people, but you're just the brains behind that whole engine and then get people to run that engine for you. Do these guys know that you did it? <laughs> yeah. They did. Yeah, they, <laughs> How much yeah. joy was it when you shared that oh, with them? <laughs> I was like, I can, get you, I can give you guys a job. You're good. <laughs> You're good at what you do. So, yeah, I mean, it was just a bet between us. And it just shows you that us as humans, we're just incredible beings. We can do anything we want to do if we really believe in the fact that we can do it. And the hardest part is believing. Not starting, by the way. Absolutely. Yeah. There's lots of you out there that right now I'm going to ruffle some feathers and I'm, I might just offend some of you. So please forgive me before I start. Let's talk about the whole female empowerment movement that's existing right now. I touched on this when I spoke to you before we came on camera, but I have some real issues with it. I have some issues as well. Tell me how you see it. Okay, the thing is, women empowerment which I hate the word empowerment. I think women need inspiration, not empowerment, because we're already powerful. If you can raise children, take care of households and a husband and do all these things all at once, you are powerful. You just need inspiration. And I always say, have you ever seen a woman in love, what she does when she's in love? If she takes that passion and applies it to everything in life, she'll be in a better place because we just need to be inspired. And an inspired woman is very dangerous, by the way. So this whole marketing propaganda about uh, women empowerment, I don't like it because it makes us feel like we're just weak and we're just waiting for someone to just lift us up or someone to give us a helping hand or it makes me feel like we're just waiting there for something to happen. But that's not true. We're not like that. After a while, a woman, if everything is given to me, let's say if I want to start a business, everything is given to me, I slowly, like indirectly, without even noticing, you start losing your self-worth. You feel like you're useless because everything has been given to you. But that's not something you notice right away, but it's in the back of your head and your subconscious mind. Because everything is given to you and once that's gone, what are you gonna do? How are you gonna work? How are you gonna do things? You're gonna always be depending on someone to just provide. And this is what a lot of women do wrong. They're either depending on a father, a brother, a husband, an ex-husband <laughs> or, or like other things around and women should not be like that you should end that and you should start depending on yourself tell me do you think it's tougher for women to start a business and be successful in business than it is for men if they've got the right attitude and the right focus I think it's easy for both. We will, I will not deny it's a male-dominant world. Therefore, if a woman goes, for example, to meetings, to apply for funds or do these things, she might not be taken seriously as a man would, which is a culture, you know what I mean, that has to change. You think it's this part of the world more than it is no, the no, rest of the world? No, no, it's everywhere. I, I thought it was in this part of the world, but I've done research all over the world with like a lot of entities, and I realized they have the same problem everywhere. It's organizational cultures, just human cultures, and it's just cultures around the world, basically. Otherwise, they're both the same. There are things that men can do and women can't, and there are things that women can do and men can't. Therefore, we complete each other. That's why we should always be working with each other, and this is how we achieve things. But I won't deny that there are a lot of things that women can get done than men do. <laughs> if you want something done, you know, get a woman to do it. I agree with that. All of these movements that exist out there and all of this whole female empowerment and female entrepreneurs and all this kind of stuff, to me, it's just not relevant. 
there's a track record in the world, let alone in my businesses, okay? Whether that's Margaret Thatcher, yeah. whether that's the leaders of the two biggest countries in UK and Germany and Europe right now, whether that was Hillary Clinton going toe-to-toe -to -toe with Donald Trump for the election to be the leader of the most powerful nation in the world. There's plenty of examples out there of hugely successful women in charge of business. Sheryl Sandberg, it goes on and on and on. There's lots of examples of that. And because of those examples, and I look at my businesses, women run my businesses with me. Mm. I don't look at them different because they're women. I just look at them because they're good at what they do. And yeah. so this whole feeling that women have almost cultivated through this movement of we need to stand up and we need to get stuck in and we need to fight for this empowerment movement, this entrepreneurial movement, really frustrates me. Now, I understand your point of view, I think a lot of you out there, whether it's through the people that I know over in the States, whether it's California, Nevada, New York, those of you that are in network marketing businesses, I don't think it's about women supporting women. I think it's about women and men, okay, getting the best that they can get so that they can be the most successful that they can be, regardless of their sex, the most successful they can be in their business. Do you agree with that, yeah? I do agree, but I'll tell you one thing. The women you just named, the successful women you just named, what makes them different than any other women around? It's the fact that they knew they could do it. A lot of women, because of culture, because of their upbringing, because of like the surroundings and everything, they don't know they can. They believe that they can't. It's like implanted in their heads that they can't do it. And I've had conversations with women from different nations, and they all think the same, that we can't. If we take that idea away from them and make them believe that they can, things would have been different. And all these women organizations around the world, don't get me wrong, I love what they're doing because they are making a difference, but I think that they are making a difference to a certain, let's say, circle in society. They're not touching everyone in society. That's because if there's a foundation that tells women you can do it, we'll give you the funds, we'll do everything for you. And then let's say you're the president of the country and you say, I am all into women empowerment, do it, do it. And the country's supporting women and everyone is supporting women. But then when she goes back home, her mom and dad tell her, no, you belong at home. A woman doesn't go out. A woman doesn't do this. So everything we've done outside is just destroyed just by her going back home. So it all starts with your upbringing. That's why we need to enlighten and teach people about how to raise their kids, about how to treat their sisters, how to treat their wives, how to you know, raise children of the future that women can do things and men should respect that while they're young. Because now it's too late to fix old broken men and women and how they think and all that. Sometimes it's too late. So let's start new and fresh with that because I think that is the core of the problem. It's not on the outside. We've seen the movement of women, we've seen what's happening, and especially here in the UAE, you've seen how Emirati women are like rising. I believe there's no problem around the world. It's not the country, it's not the people, it's the upbringing that has to change. So it's the culture, it's the understanding, it's education that's important. Let's go on to entrepreneurialism, okay, mm -hmm. and business building. Yep. You said earlier on you're a hustler. Yes. Would you say you're a salesperson? Of course. How important is it to be a good salesperson in business? Very. Honestly, not only a salesperson. I can make coffee, I can clean an office, I can do everything. Because a leader, if you're a leader, you have to be ready to serve. So every employee I have in my company, I can do all their jobs while they're doing it, while they're gone. So this is leadership. But management is sitting behind closed door, crossing your legs with a cigar in your hand. Mm -hmm. And that's not who I am. I am the person that you know goes from up to down, works all the way up. I know how to do all these things. And being a salesperson in a company is important. You gotta sell what you do. If you can't sell it, why are you doing it? If you don't believe in it, how are you gonna, I mean, and to sell it, you gotta believe in it as well. So how are you gonna convince people to do or get something if you can't 
convince them to do it yourself. You know what I mean? And if you have people doing that for you. So it is very important. You might never do it. You might never be out there doing it with people, but you need to know how to do it. In Emirati and Bahraini culture, yeah. the word salesman or salesperson, how is that seen? Is that a positive or a negative or a dirty word maybe? It's not a dirty word, but it's not something we use a lot because we don't think of it in a bad way. So if I meet a salesperson, I'm not going to think uh, low of what he does because to me, from a person who cleans washrooms to a person who is a CEO, they all earn money and they all work hard to provide and put on a table, right? Put food on a table. It's not shameful. And I told you, I've done so many things to collect money when I was young just to start the work. Maybe in our culture it is because we come from, like let's say the population of the UAE is small, right? Mm -hmm. So it's easy for our country to provide for all the locals here the best kind of life, the best education and to make life easier, right? It's different than a bigger country with like bigger population mm -hmm. of locals. We never had to go through such jobs maybe, that's why. Personally, to me, I don't see it as something negative. If, if that's, that's what you're trying to get mm -hmm. to, I don't see it as something negative. But do locals do it a lot? I, no, they don't. Because it's not how things are done here, but it's de my country never taught me to look at it as, a, as something that is shameful, basically. Mm -hmm. So I do respect it. I do respect people who work in every kind of work. Around the world, different countries, including the country I come from, look at salespeople. Majority of the time, they look at them negatively because they think of all of the negative stories attached with the guys that are bad people in the industry. But I look at every industry and I see bad lawyers, bad doctors, bad dentists, bad everything, as well as I see good. But we don't tar all of the great doctors with the brush of the bad doctor. Yeah. And I think that should be the same regarding sales too. A lot of the time, I think people starting up businesses might have a great concept, they might have a great product, they might have a great idea and have written a great business plan. But unless they can sell their product, then nobody's gonna buy it. If nobody's gonna buy it, then they're not gonna make any money. It's true. Marketing and sales is very important. And I've seen so many companies in the UAE and outside the UAE that had amazing ideas that just died because they did not know how to just market it or they did not know how to sell it, basically. Mm -hmm. And they did not know who their target audience is. And this is very important in business because even when I opened a restaurant, I asked my business partner, who are we targeting? Who's our target, the age? She's like, everybody. And I said, I thought everybody as well, but no. You need to know what your niche is and you need to target that niche in marketing and sales because they all have different approaches. You cannot sell something to a 15-year-old similar way you're selling it to a 50-year-old. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? It's all different and you need to know your product and service very well and understand it so you can manage to sell it. How did you learn to be a hustler? How did you learn to be a salesperson? Was there something instinctive inside of you? Was there somebody that you can remember as a young person that really influenced you or inspired you? I don't know, but I do know that my dad told me that when I was younger, when I was around nine and eight, I used to massage them for money. <laughs> and he's like, he used to do it to the whole family and he used to collect money and yeah, then yeah. invest it in like buying something you really want. And he's like, sometimes some, some of the kids are not allowed to go out of the house. So you used to make me drive you to a supermarket, like a grocery store, buy candy and then resell it for like double the price at home to them. So he's like, I have no idea where you come up with these ideas. And I honestly, I don't even know. But if you're trying to ask me, do these things kick in? Are you born a leader? Are you born a salesperson? Are you born an entrepreneur? I believe that you might actually be, it's true. You, you, it's not something you learn easily. It's something you have to have it in you as well. Definitely the skills can be improved with learning, but to be a hustler, it's, it's something you're born with. And you, you can't find out that about yourself unless you're put in a situation where you have to hustle. 
And that's what happened to me. I never in, in a thousand years thought that Sarah, the one that was raised, you know, the way that I was raised would be a hustler one day. But until I was dropped at rock bottom and until like the day when I was 15 and I was like, dad, I don't want any money. And he's like, fine, go get your money. And I had to hustle and I had to do things that I thought weren't even allowed for me to do, like walking in the mall and selling Cokes and supermarkets and all that promoting. And it's, it's not in our culture, you know? I can survive. If somebody throws me somewhere, I am I'm a survivor. I'm a hustler. That's where I found out that I am one. I've seen people who were the same, raised the same, thrown in the same situation, collapsed. They couldn't do it. They actually went into a depression and they, they had to get things fixed and helped. Being a hustler is something you're born with. Okay. You don't like that? As long as I don't like it, so let's say I'm not. A, let's say I wasn't a hustler. I, I want to start a business. I want yeah. to be successful, and I don't have what you say is yeah. some form of natural gene pool within me. How do I learn that? No, see, you don't have to be a hustler to be a business person. You can be a very smart entrepreneur with a very sharp goal and vision, and very good at what you do. A hustler means that if you're left at any stage in your life, with or without what you have, you can survive. If I take all your money away and I throw Spencer outside on the streets, Spencer can survive and Spencer will go back to being Spencer again. That's a hustler. But I've seen so many big businessmen that are not hustlers, but they're really smart at what they do. So it's not something you need, but definitely something you should have. So when you start a business from your home, as most people do, that starts from ground zero on day one, as far as I'm concerned, there's some important ingredients that are required for you to go and make a success of that business. And nine times out of 10, that element of hustle is required. You've got to be able to get out of your chair, away from your desk, and you've got to go maybe and network with people. You've got to go and knock on doors. Mm -hmm. Whether you're looking for investment from a, a bank or a VC or an angel, or whether you're looking to sell your product, you know. I was at a business pitch fest in Las Vegas about six months ago for kids. Yeah. And I had kids pitching their business ideas from the age of 10 to the age oh, of 14. Wow. It was brilliant, but every one of them had to work out where they were going to sell their product, who was going to buy it, yeah. and they had to work out if they needed finance. You know, These two lads had this idea for laces, and they said, we need to raise $250. It was wonderful. We need to raise $250, and they were the laces for baseball trainers, yeah. sneakers. And they were like, so we we're going to approach Kobe Bryant, and he's going to be our brand ambassador. And, wow. and, and it was like, what, the biggest basketball player is going to be your brand ambassador. Yeah. You need to raise $250 so you can make enough of them to sell. Yeah. When I watched what they were doing, for me, it was really inspiring because no one had said to them, this wasn't possible or it's not going to happen. They, they could do so. But I noticed nearly every small business that starts fails. Yes. And it fails invariably because they don't get money through the door or enough money through the door to keep the lights on. There's no cash flow, basically, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And that cash flow could be solved if people just had the wherewithal to go and find it. Exactly. Rather than sitting at their desk waiting for it to come it's to true. them. No, it's true, because you know what you said? They were on stage talking about a very big celebrity, and they're just a bunch of kids. Having the guts to say what you want in front of these people and to believe in what you're saying, that's what a lot of entrepreneurs lack. And that's why their business dies, because they just, I'll give you another example. There was a very smart business, the idea that was happening in Dubai. The funny part is that uh, the person was like, I need to be funded. And then the fund that he was supposed to get didn't work. I was like, why don't you try crowdfunding? And he was like, you want me to beg online for money and put my name and my business name? No way. And then they say it started out of a charity. 
how would a person with this mentality survive? Mm. And, and such a beautiful idea went, you know, just died in front of my eyes. I was like, dude, you just killed it. You just killed your whole vision because of your attitude. So you are that right. That sucks, isn't it? It, does, it kills. I was like, ah, so it, it does suck. A lot of people lack that. And, and this is what kills a lot of entrepreneurs. What do you, what do you well. think are the biggest mistakes that people make when they start a business? What do they get wrong? Because most people fail. Yeah. What are the biggest mistakes you've seen people make? You've said one that you made yeah. yourself, which was making sure you dot your I's and cross your T's contractually. But sure. what kind of everyday mistakes are people making, do you think? Not asking questions. Uh, a lot of people have ego when they start business, especially when they start small. And a lot of people try to start big while they should start small. So there's a lot of things. One is contracts. They, they don't know how to do them. Second thing is they don't do research. Although everything is available online, for God's sakes, that's how we open our restaurant. Third thing is they don't know how to manage their finances. Their business plans are not right. So they think they need, let's say, 200K. They end up spending 500K. They could have saved that by just doing research and just asking. And a lot of people, I realize, don't ask, especially here in, in the UAE, in our culture, they don't ask. They feel like it's a weakness to ask. It's not. Mm -hmm. It's not. You are a student of life. You continuously learn every single day. And if you had a business that, and you had information that I can benefit from, I will sit with you. And yes, I will show you my weaknesses. And I would want you to help me. A lot of people don't do that. So that, that risk, that, that taking that step to just asking, networking, and talking, they don't do that. Mm -hmm. And that can save you, it saved me a lot. Networking taught me so much for my, for, the, for my other businesses that I started. So there's nothing wrong with saying, hey, listen, I failed in doing this. How can I do it better? You've been there. It's a casual conversation, yeah. but a lot of people can't do that. Their tongue will not even spit those words, which wow. is sad. Yeah, That's nuts, isn't it? That's sad. When, when you look at entrepreneurialism, do you find that there's people that get into it that really shouldn't have gone into it in the first place anyway? Of course. It's trending. Like, for, I'll give you a very simple example. The burger trend in the UAE. Heard about it? The burger trend. Everyone opened a burger store. Oh, okay, yes. And they, they were shut one by one, you know? It's because people are not searching for things they love to do, things they want to do, things they can do. They're not solving problems. They're just looking at, hey, he opened one. There's a lot of people there. I'm going to open one as well. So it's just people are just following trends. And the definition of trends is something goes up and then goes down. Mm -hmm. And that's the sad part. While we're trying to reinvent burgers, McDonald's is still being McDonald's and making money. You know what I mean? Yeah. So people should just go away from trends and just find something that has value, something that, that is different. You cannot reinvent the wheel. Everything is done out there. Find a way to apply it, service it, package it, uh, do it differently and just do it. And don't follow trends. Find something you really love to do because if you don't love to do what you do, it shows people can sense it. You know? How often do you find that? People Very doing easy. something they don't love. It's so obvious. It's like, to me, it's nuts. You hear this term, people talk about work-life balance, and I'm like, work-life balance is a load of rubbish. Thank because you. It, what is it? it was all about? I don't like my work enough to be able to focus on it all the time, so I need a balance in my life where I'm not working. If you love what you do, it's not work. It's, it's joy. It's pleasure. It's true. So, do I need to dedicate some time to my family? Of course I do. Do I need to dedicate some time to recharging my batteries every now and then? Yeah, yeah of course I do. But work-life balance where I work too much, I think an entrepreneur has to work twice as hard as somebody sure. who's employed. So your 40-hour week working for a, a, an organization, a corporate, then as an entrepreneur becomes an 80-hour week. Yeah. So what's going on there? You're dedicating even more time. If you don't love what you do and you're not passionate about it, then where do you end? Yeah, well, this is what I realized, Spencer. I've sat with a lot of entrepreneurs and they were like, 
okay, so this business is making a lot of money. Let's invest in it. You know, everyone's saying it's making a lot of money. Are you building your success based on other people's success stories? That's not how it works. Mm -hmm. And you should stop thinking of the money. Think of how to start the business first. Think of the product, think of the service, think of yourself. Do you really like what you're doing? Because you're gonna be doing this for a long time and it's gonna take a lot of hours. Are you passionate about it? Because people can read through. I've seen people run businesses that they don't even care about. And I sensed it in their breath, you know, that they don't even care about the business. And it, eventually it went down. I've noticed a lot of people doing this mistake. Can you stop them? No. What you can do is just you know, build awareness around it and just tell them that you need to really invest time into finding something you really like to do and love to do. And you're right, I hate when people tell me, as a woman, I've been attacked so many times by other women because I'm a single mom. So I've been attacked by a lot of other women saying, hey, you're always out, your son is always out with you, you're not a good mom. A good mom has to spend at least 40 to 50% uh, of her time with her child. Who wrote that? Where is that book that says I have to spend 40 or 50% of my time with my child? <laughs> There's no such thing. No. You create your own, you tailor your own balance based on how you live, based on how, what you do. If I give my son 10% of my time, that's good because I'm working so hard to give my son a better life. And if I can spend 10% of my time with him, purely with him, good, it's good. And every woman and man should feel proud about the time they give to family or to work because you're trying your best. You know, you're trying your best. And honestly, I've seen people who are home 90% of the time with family doing nothing on their phone. While I've seen mothers who spend only like two, three hours a day with their family, but it's dedicated toward their family. So it's just about what you do and how you do it. It's not about the amount of percentage or time you put into it. This is just a bunch of, you know, crap to me. It just doesn't work. You create your own balance and, and there's no set balance for everyone. I couldn't agree with you more. Yeah. I could sit and talk to you for hours. I know. I could spend the whole afternoon. <laughs> we can get some lunch and talk I some more. I love it. <laughs> Maybe we can get you back to come and join us on the show again and we can just... You should. Develop a little you bit should. More. Definitely. So that was the first episode with the awesome and incredible Sarah Almadini. Now, we met in strange circumstances. I touched upon this earlier on. Uh, Sarah, uh, I, well, basically what happened is I started off and I, and I employed a PR company to help me because I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to find the right people to interview. And the PR company sent me a list of people to interview and, uh, and I didn't know really any of them, to be honest with you, in any detail. I did a bit of research, but not much. And Sarah was the first person that uh, had agreed to be interviewed. And so we invited her over and I was a little bit nervous about it, if I'm really honest. You know, Emirati lady in business, wasn't sure what I could say and what I couldn't say, wasn't sure about how she would interpret stuff. And you know, I learned afterwards that she also was a little bit nervous because she didn't know anything about me either. I thought that was really quite interesting. But what I'm really proud of is not just the fact that we were able to do an awesome interview, but genuinely the friendship that's come off of the back of that since over the course of the last year or so. And, you know, she's just a fantastic person. So I've got loads of great things to say about her and I'll probably drool on about that forever and ever. I learned so many things from her, you know, how she was impacted by 
trusting people with legal documents and decisions that they made on her behalf just really resonated with me and made me think, you know what, I don't ever want to get myself in the position or ever put my signature on a piece of paper without reading it from top to bottom, back to front and getting somebody else's professional opinion on that document. So that was something I really, really took from that. And I then went out, you know, I've got a number of businesses. I then went out and made sure I kind of I became paranoid for five minutes. And I went and got the lawyers to bring all the contracts to me to make sure that our T's were crossed and our I's were dotted on everything that we do in our businesses. And uh, it's thanks to Sarah sharing that, 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 you know, that big mistake that she made and that regret that she has about that situation that got me to think more and more about it. An aspect of the interview that really resonated with me was when we talk about female empowerment as opposed to inspiration. You know, that one moment in the interview, Sarah really, you could just see the passion and the fire in her eyes because of how she feels about the word empowerment versus inspiration. There's some things I didn't get into in the interview, though, that I wish I'd got into, you know, it's always the same, isn't it? You get to the end of an interview and, and you look back on it and, you, you know, it resonates with you in many ways. I certainly watch it two or three times, but then it's like, oh, why didn't I ask this or why didn't I ask that? And for me, learning how Sarah was able to build up a quarter of a million, 250,000 followers on LinkedIn in a short period of time with the content that she produces is really interesting news. And I really wish that I'd asked her that question. Um, and also what she does to deal with the attention that she gets, because she really is very well known over here in the United, in the United Arab Emirates. She's, she's got a global audience, but predominantly it's here in the Middle East. And that for me is important. To, so I wish I'd have got that more of that information out of it then, but I didn't. So how does that impact you though? How does this benefit you, this types of type of knowledge? You know, if you're in business, what kind of stuff has Sarah done that can impact you? Well, I think, you know, understanding that you can be a successful single mother, that's important. As a single father, same thing applies. If you're in business and you want to transition to other industries, maybe understanding that it doesn't have to phase you as much as sometimes it can. It might not be as big a leap as you thought it would be. And, and those types of things for me are really important to kind of sit and you know, contemplate a bit and let it, you know, percolate through your brain and think about how it can impact you positively. So hopefully you've enjoyed everything from the interview with Sarah. Thanks very much for listening. Uh, if you're listening to this on iTunes or you're listening to this on SoundCloud, then please, please, please give me a five-star review if you would be so kind. I'd really appreciate it if you did. Also, please share this with your friends. Let other people hear this content and see how valuable it is potentially for them as well too. Um, I'd be very grateful if you did. Coming up in our next interview is the CEO of Seed Group, an awesome guy, Hisham al Gurg. Now, Hisham uh, is a great, honestly, genuinely a great guy. That guy that, you know, started at the bottom, worked his way to the top, stayed in the corporate world. Um, and he shares his secrets as what he thinks are the important skills and tools that you need to become a CEO within your company or any other company for that matter. And so listen out for that. That'll be the next one coming up. He really is a gem of a guy and a very sweet and gentle man as well. And I love that for a CEO to be that kind of character. So look out for that. Hisham al is coming up. Take care, folks. And I will talk to you on the next episode of the Spencer Lodge podcast.